Welcome to the Harvest House Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Our vision is to empower each person to know God, experience freedom, and discover their purpose to make a difference. Enjoy the message from this past Sunday. Good morning. Consider yourself all air hugged, as I said last week, and greeted in Jesus' name. We're so glad that you're here. Welcome to our online community. It's growing. We loved connecting with you online. So good morning to everybody. So I'm going to jump right in. Last week, I talked about building bridges, building bridges and how important that is relationally and, and through reconciliation and all that's going on. And then today, I want to talk about crossing bridges. So last week was building. This week's crossing. This is kind of the uh, bridge series here. So we're going to look at one of the most radical teachings and one of the most difficult teachings that Jesus ever gave. You know, last week we looked at the Good Samaritan, you know, where he says, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, this week we're going to look at the teaching uh, where Jesus went a little further and said, love your neighbor, but also love your enemies as well. This was one of the most radical, as I said, teachings of Jesus' time, and it's one of the most difficult things to do. You know, this was shocking in Jesus' day. And even as I say it to you today in our nation that is just being ripped apart, shredded, uh, broken in so many ways, the COVID virus uh, last week, if you didn't see last week, please go and see it. I talked about racial inequality and injustice and racism and clearly laid out that there is a massive problem we have that only the Lord can heal and we have to address it. We have to talk about it. We have to acknowledge it. So please if you hadn't seen that, go and check it out. So today's teaching, I do want to give credit to Tim Mackey. I listened to a podcast, a teaching that he did, and I got a lot of the concepts from him today, and I put it in a harvest house way. So as I jump into this, in the first page of the Bible, we see that God made all mankind in his image. And what I mean by the image of God, it's the reflection of God. So this includes all men, all women, all children, all races, And only through the fullness of the multifaceted uh, beauty and humanity can we ever begin to be the image of the living God. And as God created mankind, he put in them a need for justice and equality. And God commissions humanity to maintain his justice and equality upon the earth. If you know the story, you know that Human, humankind, they just rejected God's principles of justice by beginning to define for themselves what is good and what is evil, uh, really to their own advantage and at the expense of others. This has infected the world with injustice and inequality in the form of racism that we see in our nation right now. Um, it's led to prejudice, prejudice, hate, violence. But God so loved the world. The word world there, John 3, 16, is the word cosmos, and it means order. God established an order and then gave the earth to mankind. But we, uh, again, broke that order by going our own way. But he did not want us to perish, so he sent his only son to really raise up a new humanity, a new way of beginning to relate to God's Uh, earth and to help restore all of the brokenness. Now, when Jesus comes to the earth, 
he says this. He says, he announces that the kingdom of heaven is here. Matthew gives us a real condensed version of all his teachings. We call them the Sermon on the Mount. And in these teachings, Jesus showed us how he wanted redeemed humanity to live, how we're to relate with one another, how we're to connect with one another. Now, these words that I'm getting ready to share with you are the very last words of this um, the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon of all sermons. I like it because it helps summarize many of the other principles. Uh, these words have the capacity to completely transform human communities and human relationships. They are, I believe, the cornerstone of social ethics and have really changed history forever. So if you will go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, we'll get a look at how Jesus unpacked all of this as we talk about the incredible need to love our neighbor and to love our enemy. So let's go ahead and jump into the first verse. Here Jesus says it. He says in Matthew 5 verse 43, he says, you have heard it said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, this was a raging debate in the days of Jesus, this thing about who was the neighbor. But, you know, you notice that Jesus said, you have heard it said. He didn't say it was written because there's no verse in the scripture in the Torah, the Old Testament, that speaks of loving your neighbor and hating your enemy. It does in Leviticus 19, verse 18, it talks about loving your neighbor, but nowhere does it say hate your enemy. So what is Jesus communicating here? This is the way that the people of that day were interpreting the law. It's the way that it was practiced. So what Jesus is saying is, here's how you're living. You're saying love your neighbor, but you're hating your enemy. The scripture says of our day, it says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most, most will grow cold. And we have really seen that this year. The love of most has just grown cold. So what is our response to be? What is our response as the church? How are we to respond to this? I believe we got to cross bridges. Last week we talked about building bridges. Again, very important. Please go and look at it if you hadn't seen it because these, these two teachings, they're abbreviated, but they're like bookends to something we'll share next week in the middle here. But let's talk about how to build bridges. So I want to give you three steps to help build bridges. So let's go ahead and jump into our first one. Certainly, all of them are important, but it, this forms the cornerstone of all that we're speaking about. Number one, if we're going to build bridges and cross the bridge here today, we have to reveal God's way of loving Let's go ahead and look at our next scripture. As Jesus said, you know, he said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And now he says this, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What a radical concept, a radical teaching. Now, Jesus here is not asking us to be passive, to constantly be abused and oppressed. It's certainly not a call to inactivity, as, you'll get, as you're getting ready to say, it's, it's quite the opposite. But rather, he's inviting us to exhibit the kind of love that can transform the world, can change the world. Now, there's a problem with the English language and the word love, because we really only have one word for love, and it's love. The Bible actually has three words, as we'll see. But 
there's a real problem with this because love can mean so many things. For example, I love to surf. I love uh, something I just enjoy doing. I was raised on the coast. I love to surf. Um, I love the mountains. I love to walk. I love my family. Do you see how it's just one word to communicate love? I mean, I love my family a whole lot more than I love to walk. You, you see what I'm saying? Okay, so this is so, so important because, uh, because it's so limited in its scope, we, we can't get around it. But, but Jesus means something so different. Again, I told you there was three words for love in the Bible, and the type of love he uses here is the word agape, and it means God's way of loving. It's, it's selfless. It's God-like. So, so Jesus here, he's, he's not asking us to generate some kind of warm, nice, fuzzy feelings for people that have wronged us or who do such evil in the world. No, Jesus is asking us to love the way God loves. And we're going to see this. We're gonna, and so, so how do we do this? And, and why do we do this? Well, the coolest thing is the scripture tells us. Let's go ahead and look at it right here. It's, it, it says this in the very next verse that you may be children of your Father in heaven. This is Matthew 5, 45. Now here Jesus introduces a family ethic, a family concept. And why? Well, I believe there's two reasons to that. This first reason is that, is that you know how your family many times can drive you nuts? You know what I mean? Like, you can drive, if you're watching online... I love you, but sometimes you drive me nuts, like all families do. But you still love your family. They're your family, and you love them. And then I think there's a second concept, and I believe the family ethic and the family, family dynamic. I love watching how children imitate their parents. It's so cool watching my grandchildren imitate their dad and their mom. I think that's what Jesus is saying. Love like, like you love your family, but imitate your Father in heaven in the way that you love. Now, so this is what he's saying. And, and now the, rex, the next verse is going to give us the reason we're to do this. He, and it, and it, let's just go on with Matthew 5 and verse 45. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous righteous. What is Jesus saying? He's observing that the goodness and blessing of God comes upon all people regardless of their behavior. I mean, the sun, you know, causes things to grow. The rain causes things to, to flourish. And believe me, this week it's going to really flourish in Boone, North Carolina. They're saying some more rain. Um, so his generosity, what Jesus is saying God's generosity goes to all people, those that deserve it and those that don't. And here Jesus is making this incredible point. If this is what God is like, then that's what he wants us to be like. Okay? So God has chosen to agape his creation, humans, he's, he's, he, regardless of our behavior. Why? because we're image bearers of the living God. And that brings us to the second step, and this is pretty radical for our, uh, the way we live and uh, currently. So let's go ahead and jump in it. Number one, reveal God's love. Number two, we have to 
resist the tendency towards tribalism. Tribalism. I think the best way to jump into this, let's look right at the scripture here, uh, the very next scripture that Jesus says. He says this. He says, if you love agape, those who love agape you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even Gentiles do that? Jesus is saying it's a lot easier to love those that are in your own tribe. And tribalism is a major problem in our society, especially in these days of fear, of COVID. People will tend to go to their own tribe. And, and, and what I'm talking about is tribe, especially one that is so divisive and so destructive is this thing called political tribalism. It is destroying us. It is destroying us. It is causing such disunity. It is causing us to polarize even further. But there are other tribes. It can be religious tribes, denominational tribes, where we refuse to see the other's point of view just because we feel safe. Now, the media, and boy, don't even get me started on that, you know, the media lives on this stuff, trying to keep people in their tribe and creating anger and emotion towards people in the other tribe. It's the only way that they can keep people coming to watch 24-hour news. It is wicked beyond comprehension. And it is destroying us in so many ways. You know, how, how tribal is it? I mean, somehow they've made a worldwide pandemic tribal. How is this possible? And then they, and now it's starting, you're starting to see even tribalism in one of the greatest wounds, this racial issue. You're seeing tribalism, separation of people. What happens in tribalism is you try to dehumanize people in the other tribe. In tribalism, one good act by a member in, 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 in your tribe is assigned to the whole tribe, but one bad act of someone in a different tribe is assigned to the entire tribe. This is what's going on right now with police. Now, this does not negate that the killing of black innocent people has got to stop. But you don't take what a few people did and assign it to the entire group. I mean, okay, I'm a pastor, and there has been lots of pastors who have done some really, really bad things in this world. But we don't assign that to, the, uh, to all pastors are like that. See, in tribalism, you judge, you judge um, others. You judge yourself by your intention, but you judge others by their actions. Now, see, this is what Jesus was talking about. In our own wisdom, we think that loving our neighbor means we have to hate the other side. And to protect our neighbor, we must have a common enemy. So let's just band together. 
you know, this is so not God's way. A, a theologian, Renard Neber, he said the following. He said, groups tend to be more immoral than individuals. What does that mean? It means that when I'm in, in a group, I endorse behavior you know, I, we endorse behavior that we would never endorse as an individual. We see this playing out right now in social media and Facebook and Instagram and, and Snapchat. I, I see what people post and I know they're not that hateful. But this is what social media does. It creates an echo chamber so you feel like you're in your tribe or a newscast, you feel like you're in your tribe and what it's doing is propagating hate and more polarization. Has anyone just taken a time out and said, it's not working? It's not working. You know, boy, there's so much I could say about that. But what Jesus is saying is, hey, you're called to something greater. Look at how Jesus broke the tribalism of, of you know, Jewish or Hebrew tribalism in his culture. I mean, he touched lepers. You would never do that in that culture. He, he, um, he, he ate with sinners. He hung out and talked with Samaritans. You never would do that in that culture. Jesus seemed to break all of the standards of you're, you belong here and they belong here. Now that brings us to the third step in crossing bridges. And I love this. Number three, complete through action. How are we going to cross a bridge? We've got to reveal God's love. We have to resist the tendency to get in the toxic tribal mindsets. And then number three, we have to complete through action. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at the next verse. This verse here, it says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, this, this is the last verse of the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon of All Sermons. But again, our English word here needs some more understanding. The word perfect, be perfect therefore, it's better translated in the Greek as complete, the word complete. Here, what it refers to is a completion point of the previous verses in the great, you know, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. What is Jesus saying? And if everybody would listen so carefully, what he's saying is there's something about when a human being crosses over some relational or racial or tribal line and chooses an act of agape to a person outside of your group or tribe, Jesus is saying humans are never more like God than at that moment. Let me repeat that. Humans are never more like God than at that particular moment. Because what happens is you connect to the relational heart of God and what you're able to do, you're able to release heaven on earth. Because in heaven, Jesus said, pray that the king, pray that, that, that you know, may your kingdom come on the, the earth as it, as it is in heaven. And in heaven, there's no hate, there's no racism, there's no violence. There's no anarchy. There's no despising. There's love. Now, when considering inequality, racism, and injustice that is just such a wound on our land, there's one 
individual who was able to make such a dramatic change in his culture and transform culture. Um, there's, there's just been one that I can look back on. We named streets after him. We named parks after him. But few people know this. The verses that I just read to you were his life mission. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Martin Luther King Jr. I'm showing you a picture here today of one of my favorite stories. What had happened the night before this picture was taken, the Ku Klux Klan had come and burned a cross in his front yard. He got up that morning. The press was all out front wanting to know what he was going to say. He put on his best suit and walked out with his boy to his yard, his little boy you see there. He reached down and he grabbed a cross and he pulled it out of the yard. People were watching, wondering what he was going to say. And then he uttered a prayer that God would show favor and bless the people who did this. Later on, it is said that he quote the verse, do not be overcome by evil. And I want to say to you, to all of us, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by being good. You know, if evil is continuing to increase in our world, and it certainly is, I believe it's because there's not enough good. And I believe we who call ourselves lover of Jesus need to go infect the world with goodness and love. Martin Luther King said the following. He said, the ultimate weakness of violence is that it is a descending spiral, begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy. Instead of diminishing evil, it multiplies it. Boy, have we seen that as the world attempts to deal with the racial inequality and justice. And again, it is, it is a definite problem. But violence, anarchy, vilifying the other group is not going to make a change. Have you noticed? It hasn't for years done anything but made it worse. Let's read on. It multiplies us. In effect, violence merely increases hate. Returning violence for violence multiplies the violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy to a friend. It is. It's the only way out of this problem. It's the only way to heal this wound is love. Again, you might be saying, well, this just seems passive and you're just letting things happen. No, it's very active. And we have examples in history. The greatest example was the Lord Jesus himself and what he did. You see, all of this is not just good ethics, good ethical teaching, but I believe it's a way that redeemed humanity. It's the way we must live if we want to transform our world. You know, God is not asking us to do anything that he has not already done. Think of Jesus. Think of Jesus nailed on the cross. And what's the first thing out of his mouth? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
I believe that the people who will make the greatest impact in life and the world that we live will choose this road, will choose this road on their journey and will bring not only a building of bridge to acknowledge all the hatred and all that's going on, but also to cross the bridge. You know, so I want to say this. The next time you see um, a blatant act of racism, of injustice, inequality, a riot or violence or anarchy that is erupting, or injustice or inequality, think of these words. These words sum up, I believe, what it means to be fully a redeemed human being. It's the hardest thing you will ever do to love those who have done evil, who have hurt you the way God loves. But it's the hardest thing Jesus ever did to love us. And, and as he did it, he transformed the world. Would you stand with me right now? Stand with me. Father, I am convinced as we stand in your presence, as online we pray, I am convinced this is the only way we can transform this beautiful, broken right now world and our beautiful, broken condition. We are beautiful to you, Father, but we, realize, we, we, we confess, Father, we are in need of healing. Father, I ask that you turn this dark night that we are experiencing right now in our nation. Give us a new day of hope, Lord. Give us a new day of hope. You said, Father, you said that if your people who are called by your name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, that you would hear from heaven and you would heal their land. Father, our hearts continue to be broken by the injustice and inequality that, that is seen through racism and prejudice. Father, forgive us for not looking to you for the answers for these things. Spiritually, it's the only way we can do this is spiritually. There's nothing else, I believe, Father, that will bring us together. Heal our land, Lord. Protect lives. Please, may the, the words that I spoke today about love, may they be real, God, real. Lord, we thank you for loving even though the world has mocked you and thrown you away cast you out of everything we can possibly cast, and yet you still love us. Now may your people agape your beautiful world, Father. Father, we thank you, and we love you, and we give you praise. And if there's anyone here and you need to ask Jesus into your heart, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. Maybe you just like have been touched by this, and you just need to ask him into your heart. Will you just pray this simple prayer with me? Very short, very simple. Say, dear God, I confess my sin to you, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. I accept you now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Thank you so much. Can we just give God a big praise as we end today? Amen.
Oh, you guys have been amazing. Hey, God bless you guys. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make it a great week. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To find out more about our ministry, visit hhcboone.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Harvest House Church Boone.